eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore, you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quick, quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a, a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man. And he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk. And the calf which he dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Now I want you to skip down, if you will, to verse number 16, down to verse 16. The Bible says this, and, Ab and the men, and the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that, that thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him. Wow. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. Notice the last phrase here. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And you may be seated this morning. And I, I just think this is interesting, and I think it's going to help you today. Why did Jesus pay Abraham a personal visit. And uh, let, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump right into this uh, uh, message, Bible study, whatever, whatever it is. I think it is going to be a little bit of a Bible study today, so I want you to keep your Bibles handy because we're going to probably turn to a few places. And so why did Jesus pay Abraham a personal visit? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and thank you for letting us come to church Lord, thank you for giving us this privilege. I'm, I'm thankful. <clears throat> Lord, we didn't have to come. We got to come. Lord, what a privilege it is. And thank you, Lord, for ministering to us through the music and the congregational singing and the choir and this beautiful special that was just performed. God, thank you for, for ministering to us in a great way. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and close this service with some preaching and teaching, Lord, I pray that you'd prepare our hearts. I pray that you would uh, open our understanding. And God, I pray that we would receive the word and the message and the truth that you have for us today. And I pray that Jesus will receive praise and glory from all that's done. Father, help us, please, please, please breathe upon us, Holy Spirit. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. What a story this is here in Genesis chapter number 18. Uh, it's a story that most of you are, are probably very familiar with. You've read this story a number of times, as I have. 
But as I read it the other day, God began to, God began to show me some things that I had never really noticed before. Let me just uh, point out a few things about the story, and then we'll get into the main part of the message today. So our Bible tells us here that Abraham is uh, sitting in the, in the, uh, the uh, door of the tent. It's a hot day. He's, uh, uh, no doubt those tents were, were, were pretty hot. And so he's just in the, the tent door trying to get a, catch a, a little bit of a breeze. And the Bible says that he sees these men, these three men that come to visit with him. It ends up that two of these men are angels, but one is the Lord. And so Abraham experiences what we refer to in the Old Testament as a theophany or a Christophany maybe. Now I know maybe there are some, maybe the, the title threw you for a loop and you're saying, well, preacher, the Lord met with Abraham, but not necessarily Jesus. And so I agree that maybe it was a theophany. God appeared, the Lord appeared, but maybe not a Christophany. Maybe it wasn't Jesus. Although we do know this, there were times in the Old Testament where Jesus showed up. We know that there were times when Jesus was there and Jesus made appearances. I do want to remind you of John chapter eight. Y'all remember that? You don't even have to turn over there. But the Bible says that Jesus was having a conversation with the religious crowd. And that was the people that he always got problems from was the religious people. And they're having a, boy, they're having a big conversation. John 8, 56. Jesus said this to the religious crowd. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And so at any rate, at any rate, Abraham experiences one of those. He, he experiences a theophany or he experiences a Christophany. But at any rate, the Lord appears to Abraham. Interesting here that we find in Genesis chapter 18 that Abraham shows this group hospitality, this divine supernatural group. He shows them hospitality. Look at verse four there. The Bible says, uh, uh, he says, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. So uh, Abraham sort of organizes into a hospitality team. Uh, this uh, group comes in to him and, and so he says, hey fellas, he says, let me get a little water and uh, we'll wash your feet and refresh you a little bit. I also noticed this, that Abraham feeds this supernatural group. Look at verse number eight. Uh, the Bible says that he took butter and milk and the calf, which he addressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And so that's for all of those folks who think, you know what, that one of these days when we're in a spiritual body, we are not going to eat. There's no possibility we're going to eat. Well, I hate to bust your bubble, but here's some very supernatural beings and they ate that day. Uh, and they ate pretty well, to be honest with you, buttermilk and steak. That's not a bad, that's not a bad menu. Amen. Um, and so anyway, just an a, a interesting story here. At least two of this group appear to be angels. Now, angels serve in a number of responsibilities. One of the main responsibilities of angels was that God usually used his angels as messengers. And so when God wanted to send a message to his people, he would use his, his angelic realm, his angels, as messengers, and they would carry the message that God had for his people. But I'm interested in this. In this specific story, the Lord did not allow this job to be completed by angels alone. They were there. They came with the Lord. 
But we notice in Genesis chapter 18 that Christ accompanied these angels to meet with Abraham. So we have to ask why. Why is that? There were other times in Scripture where the Lord just sent an angel and that angel conveyed the message. But in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord specifically came and met with Abraham. Someone says, Pastor, why is that? Well, I believe we find the answer in the same passage. Genesis chapter 18, look if you will at verse number 33. We didn't read this, but let's read it now. Genesis 18, verse 33. The Bible says, and the Lord went his way, notice the next line, as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. I believe that's the answer right there. Why did the Lord specifically and personally come and meet with Abraham? And I believe this is the answer that the Lord wanted to personally converse with his servant, Abraham. We do know this in James chapter two, the Bible refers to Abraham as the friend of God. We read this scripture earlier today. The Bible, God said, I know him. I know him. He's referred to as the friend of God. And so God wants to commune with his friend, Abraham. You say, wow, preacher, that's an amazing thought. That's a new thought. Not really a new thought. It is an amazing thought, but not a new thought. Did you know we find that thought of God wanting to commune with his creation all throughout the word of God? In fact, we find it at the very beginning of time in the, in the Garden of Eden. Again, you don't have to turn there. You can just jot these, these references down. Genesis chapter three, verse eight. The Bible says, and they, Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And so we believe that, uh, that pretty much every day that God came and God met with Adam and Eve and God communed with them and fellowshiped with them. We find that thought of communing in the Garden of Eden, but I'll be honest, we find that thought of divine communing after the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, about Enoch. The Bible says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so we find it in the Garden of Eden. We find it after the Garden of Eden. We find that thought before the flood. In Genesis chapter six and verse number nine concerning Noah, the Bible says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Now again, follow me here today. Uh, we, we find something, we find a common thread here. And that is this, that there is a, an amazing God, a loving heavenly father that, that desires to commune with his servants. He desires to commune with his creation. Now, did you know that God not only wanted to commune with Adam and Eve, and God not only wanted to commune with Enoch, and God not only wanted to commune with Noah, and God not only wanted to commune with Abraham, but there is a holy God that has a great desire to commune with you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to fellowship with you. You say, preacher, I'm nothing. I'm a zero with the ring rubbed out. Well, join the crowd. That's where we all are. We're just sinners saved by grace. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his goodness. We don't deserve his protection, his provision. But I'm just telling you, church, that there is a God, a loving heavenly father that is in heaven today and he wants to commune with you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to talk with you on a daily basis. 
Somebody says, preacher, it doesn't even make any sense. How, how does a, an almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, how does that God commune with somebody like me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Can I tell you how that happens today? And I wanna just give you some things that I believe are gonna be a help to you today. How about this? Number one, God communes with his children, first of all, by using his word. God communes with you and I by using his word. Somebody says, Pastor, God has never spoke to me from heaven. No, let me tell you something. Every time that you read this book right here, you are hearing the voice of God. Did you know that? Every single time that you read the word of God, you are hearing the voice of God. Now, listen to me now. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We've sort of been duped into believing something that, that if we read this book and we don't get goosebumps and if we don't feel something, that God is not speaking. But nothing could be further from the truth. Just because you don't always feel something and just because you don't get goosebumps every time you read the word of God does not mean that God is not communing with you and God is not speaking to you. My little redhead down here, we've been married for over 37 years and, uh, and dated for quite a while before that. So we've been together for a long, long time. And, uh, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Miss Tammy, although she very frequently gives me goosebumps, very frequently, uh, you know what? Uh, living with her day in and day out, she doesn't always give me goosebumps. But I'll tell you this, I love her communion. I, you know what? I want to be with her. I want to be fellowshipping with her. I want to know she's there. I want, I want her to know that I am with her. You know what Moody said, Dale Moody? Moody said, when we read the Bible, it is God speaking to us. And when we pray, it is us speaking to God. And we need to do most of the listening. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says it like this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen to this. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts, the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what the Bible's saying there? That God's word is a very personal, it's a very personal, personal book. And, and, and God, this is what I'm saying, that God in heaven, every time you read the word of God, he's communing with you. He's fellowshipping with you. Now somebody says, preacher, I know, I know. But you know what, pastor, I read it, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday this week. I read it. It didn't do a thing for me. Listen, it did more for you than you know it did. Now, I want to say something. Did you know, did you know this? Did you know that God communes with us in different ways? at different times through his word. Did you know that not every day is gonna be the same? So you say, Pastor, I, man, preacher. And sometimes that happens. People come to you and they'll say, Pastor, I was reading the Bible this week and I gotta show you this. I mean, this is amazing what God gave me. And then there are other times people come to me and they'll say, Pastor, man, I read the word of God this week. It didn't do anything for me. Did you know that God uses his word at different times in different ways? Can I show that to you? Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn over to the book of Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 15. I don't know who this is for, but I, I think this is gonna help somebody and I think somebody needs to hear this this morning. Jeremiah chapter number 15 in, in your Bibles and, and when you find your place in Jeremiah 15, would you look with me at verse number 16 this morning? Jeremiah 15 verse 16. Look what Jeremiah says about the word. He said, thy words were found. 
and I did eat them. Look at the last part here. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And so Jeremiah said, I found the word of God. And he said, man, the word of God did something significant in my life. And he says here, the word of God caused joy and the word of God caused rejoicing. All right. Now I want you to turn over a few pages and look at Jeremiah chapter number 20. And I want you to find your way to verse number nine, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse number nine. So Jeremiah said, I was, I, I, I was in the word and he said, God was speaking and he said, it caused joy and it caused rejoicing. But look at Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse number nine. Jeremiah said, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Wait a minute now, on this day, God's using his word in a totally different way. Before he used it for joy and rejoicing but now God is using it for motivation and conviction and to get, uh, and to get uh, uh, Jeremiah up and going again. Now, church, listen to me. This is all I'm saying. Don't expect the same, the same effect and the same result every time you go to the Word of God. You say, Pastor, I read it one day, and man, it was exciting. I went back the next day and didn't do anything for me. Listen, it is doing something for you, whether you know it or not. When you're reading the Word of God, you are hearing the voice of of Almighty God. Amen. Now take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over to the book of, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number 10. Not only Jeremiah, but I noticed the, the Apostle John. Revelation chapter 10 in your Bibles. And look, if you will, at verse number 10. Revelation 10, verse 10. Notice what John says here. Revelation 10, verse 10. John said, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And he said, and it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now, again, folks, I'm just trying to make a point. It affects you. The word of God affects you at different times in different ways. But here's the important part. It always affects you. In fact, did you know God said, my word will never return void. So you get up in the morning, your flesh doesn't want to read it. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you stayed up too late the, the night before. You got up a little extra before you went to work and you were gonna spend some time in the Bible. And so you got up 30 minutes early and, and you read several chapters. And when you got done, you thought, man, that didn't do anything. Listen to me. It did more than you can imagine. Why? Because when you read the word of God, it is God communing with you. Now you say, preacher, no, 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 no. I don't understand that. Uh, you know, how can... How can God commune through a letter? That don't even make any sense. Oh, come on now. Think. It really makes perfect sense. Hey, remember, remember when you were dating age? You might have even been sweet on the one that you married, but at the time y'all weren't married, so you couldn't spend all your, your time together. Sometimes you wanted to spend more time together than you should have. And mom and dad would have to make you come home and so you weren't able to have all that time of communing together. So you know what you did? You communed through a letter. Hey, fellas, anybody else remember sitting in math class? And you weren't studying geometry, but she had wrote you a love letter. She even laced it with a little perfume. And so before you even opened it, you're like, 
I mean, you know, you are already in La La Land. I mean, you, you, didn't, have your, you didn't have your mind on math. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know what, to, uh, to look the part, you opened your math book and you, you took that love letter and you put that love letter right there in the math book. And in that love letter, man, she called you honey and sweetie and baby cakes and, and uh, honey pot and, uh, and all those uh, uh, terms of endearment. And, and she said, oh, she said, I can't wait till we get to spend all of our days together. I can't wait till we, we get to go home together. I can't wait till, till we get to fellowship and commune together. And, uh, and you, you know what you did? You read that letter. And as you read that letter, your heart fluttered and it made you love your loved one that much better. Wait a minute, how did you know that God has given you a love letter and it's called the word of God? It's the word of God. God wrote this letter just for you. And when you read this love letter, you know what's going on? God Almighty is communing with you just like he did with Abraham. And so how does God, how does an almighty God commune with his creation? Well, number one, by using his word. But number two, listen to this. Number two, how does God commune with his creation? Number two, by union through prayer. Now, you say, Pastor, that's something I don't know much about. Well, it's something we ought to all learn something about. Somebody said that, uh, in fact, it was Dr. John R. Rice. Dr. Rice said prayer is asking. Prayer is asking. You know what prayer is? And, and, and I know every once in a while I'll run into somebody and they'll say, Preacher, I just can't pray. Sure you can. You know, prayer is just talking to God. Because I know, Preacher, but I... I, I, um, I can't make, make big prayers. Well, thank God for that. Did you know our Bible says that God is not interested in fancy prayers? In fact, why don't we turn over there real quickly? We're not too bad on time today. Look at Matthew chapter six in your Bibles. Matthew chapter six. And look, look if you will, at verse number five. Matthew chapter six and verse number five. God is not concerned with you using big spiritual words. Matthew 6, verse 5, here, here we come. Here's this religious crowd again. They are a burr under the saddle of the Lord. And look what he says about the religious crowd. Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Listen to me, church. You know, did you know how God communes with his creation? By union through prayer. You say, well, preacher, I can't pray like Ronald Looney. You're not supposed to pray like Ronald Looney. You say, preacher, I love to hear Brother Mike Horn get up here and pray, uh, you know, during the service, but I can't pray like Brother Mike Horn. You're not supposed to pray like Brother Mike Horn or Mike Hill or Preacher Pope or anybody else. You know what? You're you're just supposed to pray like you. And when you go to God, you don't have to, you don't have to use big flowing phrases and long words and spiritual terminology. And I'm telling you, some of those fancy prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. What you need to do is just walk with God. 
Tell him what your needs are. Tell him what you're struggling with. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you why prayer is so effective in communing with the Lord, all right? In fact, I wanna show you this. Turn over real quickly, if you will, to James chapter four. James chapter four. All right, preacher, union through prayer. How does that help in communing with God? Let me tell you why prayer is so effective in communing with the Lord. Because when, we, when you and I, when we consciously draw near to God, you know what happens? God draws near to us. James chapter four, verse number eight. The Bible says it like this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Now, somebody says, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Preacher, I don't know how to use big giant words like justification and redemption and, and, uh, uh, and, and sanctification and, uh, and some of these big giant spiritual words. Listen, I'm just telling you that when you try your best to pray and draw near to the Lord, you know what happens? God draws near to you. And God wants to commune with you. And so God communes with us by using his word. And God communes with us by union through prayer. But let's bring this thing to a, a close. How about this? Number three, how does God commune with us? Number three, by the unction of his Holy Spirit. Turn over with me, if you will, to Romans chapter eight. We're almost done. Romans chapter eight. And look at verse number 26, if you will. Pastor, I don't understand. How can I, how can little old me commune with the holy God? How, how, how do you expect me to do that? Well, number one, we do it by using his word. Number two, we do it by union through prayer. But number three, we do it by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse number 26. The Bible says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Look at this. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I like what the Thomas Nelson study Bible said. It said this, this reference is to the spirit's interpretation of the believer's innermost feelings which cannot be put into words. What's that even mean, preacher? Listen to this. Did you know the Holy Spirit acts as a translator of sorts? between us and God. So, several years ago, I got a call and they said, Brother Pope, they said, we're having a family conference in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. We want you to come and preach at this family conference for several nights. And I was like, man, I'd be, I'd be glad to. They said, this is a Hispanic family conference. And I was like, Houston, we have a problem now, Amen. I know some of the main words, you know, I, that, I, but that's all I know is just some of the main words, you know, burrito, taco, you know, Dorito, you know, <laughs> enchilada. I know, you know, those, those important ones. And, uh, but I thought, wait a minute now, how am I going to go to a family conference that's basically a hundred percent Hispanic families? And how is this country boy going to commune with those Spanish people? It's impossible. It's not going to work. I mean, they're not going to understand me. I'm not going to understand them. They're not going to get anything out of the conference. And so Brother Ernesto Andrade said this, Brother Pope, he said, you come and preach. And he said, I'll translate. And so sure enough, and that was my first time. 
And, uh, and I went, and man, I started preaching, and I'd preach a little bit, and Brother Ernesto would translate. And I'd preach a little bit more, Brother Ernesto would translate. And I, you know what? And boy, the more we got to go, and the more comfortable I got. And so then, man, I mean, I, we got it into gear. I mean, it was good. Man, I was preaching, and, I'd, and boy, he'd preach a little bit. And I mean, I was getting into it, and Brother Ernesto was getting into it. And, uh, and you know what? Those folks right there, they were saying amen, however they say amen. I don't know, but they were saying amen. And man, they were really getting blessed and getting helped. Now, wait a minute now. You know how I was able to commune with those folks? I had a translator. Did you know the way you're able to commune with a holy and a righteous God, hallelujah, we have a translator. And his name is called the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, get this now, we're done. The Holy Spirit serves as a go-between and connects you and I with our Heavenly Father. You say, preacher, I read this book, I don't always understand it. I say a prayer, I don't always say the right words. You're right, neither do I. But let me tell you what happens with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches you what you don't understand. And the Holy Spirit, even when you don't pray right, the Holy Spirit says, Father, this is what he meant. This is what he needs. He doesn't know how to word it just right. But this is what he's asking for. This is his burden. This is his struggle. This is what he needs. And he acts as that go-between. Now, I was thinking about go-between. You know, how, how, can I, how can I illustrate that? And my mind went back to third grade. You say, Pastor, I'm surprised your mind can go all the way back to third grade. That's been a little while. Hey, remember when you're in grade school and you got sweet on somebody? There was this little blonde in the class or this little redhead or little brunette, you know, and you thought, oh my word, she is. You know, isn't it amazing how early in life all the girls have cooties and then all of a sudden one day all the cooties disappear. My wife and I were just having that discussion. (laughs) And you thought, oh man, I'd like to get to know her. I wonder if she knows I'm in the class. You know what you did? You wrote a note and it went something like this. If you like me, Check this box. Yes, no. Come on, don't be so spiritual. You know what I'm talking about. But you didn't take it yourself. You didn't take it yourself. You know what you did? You passed it to your best friend. And you said, man, I really love that person. I mean, I'm just, I'm in love with them. I'm just in love with them. And I want them to be in love with me. And so listen, would you take this note for me and give it to them? Hey, Did you know that the Holy Spirit of God takes this love? Oh, man, yes. God says, I love you so much. Man, I love you so much. You say, preacher, you're talking about me that's blew it, me that's failed, me that stumbled. Yep, you. God loves you so much. And God says to his Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you take this note down there? And would you, do, would you deliver this note and just let them know, I love you, I love you. Hey, this is all I'm saying today. God wants you to commune with him. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads this morning? Let me just ask, are you communing with the Lord? Are you spending time with him? Are you in his book? 
Are you spending time in prayer? Are you letting the Holy Spirit teach you things about the Bible and help you in your prayer life? God wants to commune with you. How long has it been? Seriously, church, how long has it been since you just came to the Lord and said, Lord, I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know I love you. You mean the world to me. How long has it been since you went and you said, Lord, speak to me through your word. Teach me, Lord. God, show me something. I know you show the preacher, but Lord, show me something. God, give me something from your book. Cleanse me. Change me. Transform me. Lord, help this book to speak to my heart. Are you communing with your heavenly Father? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many here today would say, Pastor Pope, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If that's you this morning, without anybody looking, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this though. How many are here this morning and you would say, Preacher, I'm gonna be honest. If I died today, I'm not sure I would go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Pastor, I'm just not sure I'd make it. Pastor, I want you to understand, I don't wanna go to hell, but I'm just not sure about heaven and I need you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere without anybody looking right now? You just slip your hand up very quietly and let me pray for you today. Just raise it right now. Preacher, pray for me. If I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one? Can I pray for you? As far as I know, I don't see any hands today. I saw one little hand. And I want to ask you this, child of God, are you communing with God? Are you spending time with him? Are you in his book? Do you have an active prayer life? Are you allowing the spirit of God to to guide you and lead you? Have a major part in your life? You say, pastor, not really, okay. Then here's what I would do today. I would make my way down to this altar and I would say, Lord, today on February the 5th, 2023, that's about to change. Lord, I don't really know how to pray, but I want you to teach me. God, sometimes I read that book, I don't get anything out of it, but I want you to show me something from your word. I wonder how many today would just come and you'd say, Lord, help me to walk with God. Help me to walk with you like Abraham, like Enoch, like Noah, like Adam and Eve. Help me to walk with you. You're here this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. And you'd say, Brother Pope, as simple as this message is, and it was pretty simple. You'd say, I really need a better walk with the Lord. And I want you to pray for me. How many are like that right now? You just slip your hand up right now all around the house. Preach, I need a better walk with Jesus. I need a better walk. I need a better walk. I need a better walk. A better walk with the Lord. Amen, amen, hands, yes. 
I appreciate all the hands around the house today. Would you stand with us? Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together today. God, I pray that you would take this attempt at preaching and teaching. And Lord, I pray that you would somehow bring the increase from it. Father, if we've had a a few dry days in our Bible, and maybe we got a little discouraged and we moved away from the Bible, I pray today we'd move back in the Bible. God, I pray that you'd give us students to the Bible at Calvary. Lord, maybe someone here today, Lord, really, they're not really praying like they ought to pray, not really talking to thee like they ought to talk to thee, but today that would change. Maybe there's somebody here today, Father, they're not yielded to the Spirit of God like they ought to be. Father, I pray today that's about to change. Have your way in this invitation. And we thank you in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our personal workers if they'll just make their way to the front. Who's here this morning needs to take a step out and just say, you know what, I need a better walk with Jesus. Would you come right now? Would you come? With heads bowed and eyes eyes closed, nobody looking just for a minute. Would you come while we wait? I need a better walk. I need a better walk with God. Would you come? Would you come? Pastor, I need to get back in the Bible. I need to get back in the Word of God. Would you come right now? Preacher, not really spending any time with the Lord in prayer. Hey, would you come? Lord, help me in my prayer life. 